Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission, joins us. Rafi, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Noel. How are you doing? It's always good to have you. Let's jump right into it, the proposed NOPD drone program. There are some that are out there saying, eh, not so fast. We may not be on board with this. Tell us about this issue. Well, so, um, you know, we've reviewed, the Crime Commission's reviewed the NOPD policies, and last week the police department had a uh, public meeting and demonstrated the the drone uh, uh, that they would be using and invited the public to attend. And uh, there were some people there that were non-supportive of the issue. I've reviewed what their objections were to the drone program. They felt that the policies weren't specific enough. They were concerned that there may be uh, some abuses of that. And uh, I think that what they failed to to take into account that drones are essentially moving cameras. So cameras basically uh, encircle not just New Orleans, but, but every community, whether it's deployed on homes, you walk into a business, uh, they're, they're all over. And these are just mobile cameras that are floating around. We've reviewed and determined that there are over 1,400 federal, state, and local policing agencies that have adopted and approved uh, drone usage for public safety purposes. These uh, programs have been in place for 15 years. What the NOPD doing is not reinventing the wheel. They're basically cherry-picking some of the, the best policies and procedures. They presented them to the public for their review and comment. Uh, and I believe that uh, this is a technology that is not the future. It's the present right now. The police department has purchased four drones and they've trained officers that are ready to start to deploy them. So the, the mission of the NOPD's drone program is for situational awareness, search and rescue, tactical deployment, and crime scene incident uh, situations that include not just crimes but traffic and disasters as well. It's a force multiplier. It's at a time when we don't have enough police officers 
to adequately police the city. This type of technology is uh, something that will enable the police department to do more with less. The policies and procedures that are in place uh, I think are more than adequate to reduce the potential of this technology being inappropriately deployed. Uh, officers will not unilaterally get to launch a drone. It has to go to the, uh, to the unit that's responsible for doing it. The officer that is operating the drone has hours of training uh, and the deployment has to be approved by a supervisor. They're going to be uh, annual reports, and the, the use of the drones has to be documented uh, for the reason for the flight, the date, time, and location, and duration of the flight, the names of the officers that operated the drone, the name of the supervisor that approved the drone, and a summary of the activities documented by the drone. All of those will be a permanent record that will be available not just for internal review, but for review by the uh, either independent police monitor or in, while we're under the consent decree by the federal monitors. So I think there are adequate check, checks and balances and safeguards that I think New Orleans is long overdue for this using this type of technology. I have no concern that the police department would abuse it. I think in light of, uh, you know, the events that we have here like Mardi Gras uh, and uh, soon to be the, the uh, Super Bowl next year, I think that uh, this is the type of technology that will allow the police department to better protect and serve the public. When they deploy technology like this, the approach that they're taking, is this as a result of the consent decree that they need to go through these machinations? No, the consent decree doesn't require or has no position on, on uh, the use of drones or technology. Now, everything has to be done constitutionally. And, uh, you know, so there, this does not require the approval of the federal monitor. It's not subject to the consent decree. But what is uh, the police department will be accountable for is that it not be misapplied or abused uh, to either violate any departmental policies or the rights of, of any citizens. So I think that you know this type of technology, I think the police department has been very transparent. Uh, this is something that started I think under Michelle Woodfork when she was the interim superintendent, I think there were some grants given to the department that allowed them to, to purchase this technology. And for the better part of this year, they've been planning to launch a program that, in, in, that required not only the uh, policies and procedures, but the training of the people that would be working in the unit. And I think that uh, subject to final approval, I, I would expect that this would be something that would be available for use by the police department uh, very, very, very soon. So Allie Beth Rose with Ion Surveillance Coalition says, and, and I'm curious why we don't push back and take them the task on this, because uh, this is what they say every time. We find time and time again these surveillance tools are ineffective, expensive, and racially biased. As compared to what? What are they comparing this to? 
does anyone ever say, or they just make these general statements? Well, look, uh, I don't. They they don't provide any documentation or footnoting of anything. They just issue these statements, and people take them as gospel. So if they don't have any concrete examples to back up what they're talking about, if they don't have any data to show this, keep in mind that this technology, as I pointed out, it's been around for 15 years. It's been used by more than 1,400 law enforcement agencies, federal, state, and local, all over the United States. And it's been deployed in New Orleans by the Louisiana State Police. I would expect that uh, our federal partners in, in the city have used drone technology for policing. Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson Parish, Parish Sheriff has it. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, actually, New Orleans called for it in one of their cases where uh, that guy from the east that ended up in in the Broadmoor section, you know, and ended up with a big SWAT role, uh, they requested the utilization of the drone, and everyone is sitting there on their cell phone watching what the drone sees. You know, the interesting thing to me, Rafi, is that this is like a body cam in the air because it not exactly. only captures the conduct of, of the perpetrator, the criminal, the thug that they're trying to arrest, but it captures what the police are doing as well. So I Absolutely. Just, I, I just... I just find these groups that just make these statements and it racially biased you're in a predominantly black city it's going to impact blacks more than we're whites i mean the numbers speak for themselves right. it's almost as if they don't realize blacks are the majority right <laughs> you know, so. right so you know to put it in context my office is right across three from the superdome and uh you know there have been numerous stories written about automobile burglaries in, in the parking lots uh, around sporting events in the Dome and in the Smoothie King Center. Uh, you have situations with Mardi Gras and festivals in the French Quarter and whatnot where automobiles are broken into and stolen, um, you know, uh, around some of those major events. So this would be something that would be an enhancement to the police department's ability while they're uh, dealing with the crowds to also keep an eye on the crowd's vehicles that are parked nearby to reduce sure. the potential of uh, uh, property offenses that are, are being perpetrated while people are attending uh, events while on foot. Well, you know, when you make the comparison, Jefferson Parish, we've had an aircraft, a manned aircraft program going back to the 50s. We've had helicopters. Right. And the utilization of drones is certainly much cheaper than putting a helicopter in the sky. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and, and every every Mardi Gras, we have helicopters in the sky. We have Coast Guard helicopters in the sky that help assist the NOPD in the city of New Orleans and the like. So when you make the comparisons of putting a drone up as opposed to a helicopter, it's a huge savings. Well, you can walk in any store, big box stores, specialty stores. They sell drones that, that consumers can buy and do buy sure. regularly. Yeah. They're a major Christmas gift. So I think that this technology is emerging uh, and I think drones will be used for home security, too, where the drones can be deployed if there's motion, and uh, they can 
surveil the situation, report back to uh, the property owners, and then uh, be returned to their docking stations to recharge. So this type of technology isn't uh, new technology. It is abundantly available all over the place, and for anybody to be opposed to it, uh, I think is, uh, I think, doing a disservice, A, to the police department. Police department is 10 years into their consent decree. They are on the cusp of compliance. The fact that this technology has been used all over the country over the last 15 years is, I think, another indication is uh, of, of the fact that it really hasn't been appreciably uh, abused anywhere that I'm aware of. And if there is there's a consequence for it. And I think these policies that the NOPD has presented to the public reduce the potential for any type of abuses and also help the police department detect if there are any abuses that are, are perpetrated. So I, I, I think the police department has dotted the I's, crossed the T's, checked all the boxes, and I think that this is something that's long overdue for deployment within the city of New Orleans. Well, the truth be told, not unlike any other business, any piece of equipment that is ever uh, or technology that is ever implemented is subject to abuse. There are no guarantees. If there were guarantees in life that we could alter human conduct, guess what we wouldn't have? Right. Crime. Crime. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So when they make these statements, oh, this is subject to abuse. Really? <laughs> I mean, what? what 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 a defining uh, statement that is. I mean, that's every day, right? I mean, that, right. that's that's human conduct. We, we we are not perfect. No one no one is. I just right. kind of chuckle when I when I hear these statements as as though there, there needs to be a 100% guarantee that your employees will never violate a policy, will never violate a law. Yeah, it would be nice. I would love it. Um, you'd have a lot of people staying in positions of authority a hell of a lot longer than they do when they leave because they're worn out. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, it's just, it's just interesting to hear folks talk. And, and there are people that are believing this stuff as well, which makes it even worse. All right, we got to well, get to a break. I, I, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Well, no, go I was ahead. just going to say that uh, don't attribute ion surveillance with mainstream. Uh, they speak from a, a very limited perspective with a limited supporter base. And I just think that the, uh, the, the vast majority of New Orleans citizens uh, would be supportive of the police department's efforts to uh, utilize this technology to better police this city. Yeah, we ought to start a group called Eye on Common Sense and see how <laughs> much of an impact we can have. We'll be right back. We're visiting with Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So the mayor jaunts off to Dubai for the first COP conference, um, which is about climate change, to give mayors a formal platform as prominent climate leaders at the heart of the multilateral negotiation space. Now, keep in mind that she has two years left in her term, right? And she, I guess, believes that whatever she has to offer is going to make a difference over the next couple of years. In fact, she says that over the past years, our city has seen increasingly stronger storms, more recently life-threatening heat waves, prolonged drought that damaged our green space, contributed to saltwater intrusion that threatened our drinking water. These negative impacts as a result of climate change speak to the importance of attending the COP28 and meeting with fellow leaders, experts, and advocates as we take collective global action towards eliminating these risks and creating a safer, healthier environment for our people. My various participating roles at COP28 demonstrates how our city, our city, is a model for how other cities in the U.S. and across the world can adapt to thrive in a changing environment. And I look forward to joining various leaders in the space as we take a strong science-based stance towards combating the ongoing climate crisis. I look at this and I kind of wonder how our city is going to provide guidance to others when we are on 25 hertz power. We have one system that was put in place in 1958 and one that's 65 years of age and one in 1915. Let's see, that's 108 years of age, I guess we do have something to bring to the forefront that we can make or maybe not make equipment work for a long, long time and make use of it. When we talk about science base, it's kind of easy. This is low-hanging fruit, Mayor. Leaves impede water flow. So why don't we sit on that one for a moment? Rafi, uh, this continues the jaunts around uh, the country. Obviously, there's an economic impact to this as well, uh, to the city. And it doesn't seem like much of anybody has any control over where she wants to go, when she wants to go, how she wants to go. Right. I mean, what we're seeing is that her thirst for travel has been accelerating uh, in her second term of office. Uh, we documented the cost of, she's now gone on 11 excursions or trips so far this year. We documented the cost of the first nine, and uh, it exceeded $128,000 of city funds because the city's not just paying for her, paying for the people that she's bringing with her as well. So that's $128,000 on trips that she's attended this year. And I've, 
I haven't seen any documentation about any concrete benefits to the city of New Orleans. So before the mayor went on this most recent excursion to Dubai, uh, I don't know if she looked at the weather. They, they predict weather patterns over you know the next week, and they were predicting rain uh, before she left for for this weekend. The city flooded because the sewage and water board uh, had pumps that weren't operational. So um, you know she's concerned about the environment, but she has three SUVs assigned to her that are gas guzzlers. The city's fleet is, you know, uh, gas-powered vehicles. Uh, the cost of, not to mention the pollution of flying on an international flight, if her presence there is not going to move the needle. If she's looking for knowledge, I have to believe that she could obtain that knowledge by attending the conferences via Zoom or collecting the notes and the data released at that and save the city untold tens of thousands of dollars for this trip, because this trip is halfway around the world. I'd be stunned if this didn't exceed a cost of over $20,000. That would be uh, on the cheap end of it. It could very much be substantially more than that. So I think that what we're seeing with this mayor is that this isn't about uh, the the uh, uh, the the weather or uh, the environment. This is about her insatiable desire to travel for free on the city's nickel. In her presence at these conferences, don't move the needle. It's just another reason for her to enjoy one of the perks that she believes that she's more interested in travel than she is in serving as the mayor of the people you know uh, that elected her to office in the, in the city. And the only way to stop this or curb this behavior is going to have to be legislatively through the city council because she's demonstrated that she cannot and will not uh, control her urges. We saw that uh, with respect to the use of the Pontabla apartment where she was using it for personal purposes and the council agreed to give her a second chance with the understanding that she couldn't spend the night in there again and had to be used for official purposes. And uh, they found out within several weeks that she had once again used it for the Essence Festival, not for any dignitaries that were in town, but her family members. And she spent the night in it. So they ended up having to strip that apartment away from the mayor's office and return it back to the Pontabla Corporation, the French Market Corporation, to be leased out. We saw the city... Uh, changed the city charter. The electorate changed the city charter because they didn't approve the, of the judgment of this mayor to appoint department heads. So the current superintendent was the first instance where the mayor could only nominate someone. They had to be confirmed by the council. And I have to believe that if the public was polled on this issue, they would like to see their mayor be in town more often as opposed to 
spending over $120,000 a year on travel uh, while the city is experiencing issues that if the mayor is present, there's a more, than, more likelihood that she could achieve and, and accomplish something much more tangible and valuable than her attending many of these out-of-state and, and out-of-the-continent conferences that she uh, has, has demonstrated and attended so far this year. And what's interesting, it doesn't seem like this group is really making much of an impact at all because they actually received a report that the average global temperature target number that they had by a deadline is not achievable. They will not get there. It's not going to happen. And then Dad, fuel to the fire, so to speak, she is going to be on a panel on Wednesday that's entitled Driving the End of the Fossil Fuel Era. Read the room. You're the mayor of a city in an energy-producing state. (laughs) I mean, are we going to continue to work cross-purposes with one of the most important industries to the state of Louisiana from an economic perspective, a job employment perspective, and otherwise? (laughs) I mean, this absolutely makes no sense. It's craziness. Right, right. And, 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 and really what it is, it's, it's an abuse of authority. It's, a, it's abuse of the public fisc. And I think the public has grown weary of it, but she is either uh, uh, totally blind and deaf to, to that, or maybe even more uh, likely uh, just doesn't care. And either scenario is unacceptable. And I think that if we leave it to her devices, she's not able to control her urges. There's going to have to be some intervention. So if it doesn't happen this year, that'll probably be sometime next year because I don't see her taking her foot off the accelerator. She enjoys travel. It's very, very obvious. It's very obvious to the average citizen on the street, and I think the public is growing weary of it. And um, hopefully um, she will respond to public sentiment. If not, hopefully the city council will once again step in and provide some limits and and, uh, some reason uh, to reduce the potential of her continuing to abuse uh, the the, the travel that she's enjoyed so far during her term of office. Rafi, have we been able to determine whether she continues to fly business class or first class? No, there's, there's certain policies that when a flight is over a certain amount of time that they can, uh, they can go business class. So what we're seeing is that she, when she had to borrowed $29,000 from a private lender to pay the city back for the first-class travel. She wasn't entitled to use city funds for that. But the rules change the longer the flights are in place, and that may be a factor in her deciding to go on junkets that are uh, further away so that it reaches the threshold she's going to be in the air for, the, for exceeding the number of hours that require 
business or economy class, and she will be able to justify uh, higher first-class travel. But it's more than just the flights. It's the cost of the hotels that she goes to and the per diem for the meals that she's, she's eating. And I, I just think that there is no uh, definable public purpose or benefit to the city of New Orleans with her physically attending these. I think that it is, uh, there are other ways that she can uh, participate in, the, in these events like this without having to travel, without having to spend public money, particularly when there's so many pressing issues facing the city of New Orleans. How many electric vehicles do we have operating in the city now? Do we know? I, I, know I don't know. I saw a press release earlier this year that they were going to be uh, buying some electric vehicles, but not for her. She's she's driving, you know, large SUVs, and it's not just one. I think there are a total of three assigned to the office of mayor. So. Um, these are, are vehicles that are going to be $80,000 that are getting uh, 8 to 10 miles per gallon. And those are the types of vehicles that she's driven around in. Uh, so when she's... So do as I say, not as I... Warming, yeah. Yeah, do, do as I say, not as I do, right? Which exactly. Yeah. A lot yeah. In, in this uh, landscape that we're talking about for certain. All right, we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Raphael Goyeneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll talk about the comparison of felony arrest and weapons arrest numbers by month, 2022 versus 2023. When we come back, stay with us. Welcome back, folks. Raphael Goyeneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission, joins us. We're going to talk about the 2022 versus 2023 comparison of felony arrest and weapons arrest numbers by month. And I want to point out that Rafi's organization, I think, is the only organization in the city that actually takes the time to break this data down, which is not easy. Um, and I truly appreciate the job that you guys do, Rafi, because this is important stuff. Right. So what we're trying to do is help people understand, uh, you know, what some of the challenges are in policing the city and the crime trends. And we release those reports. So the you know, we, can, we released our, our regular crime trends report today showing homicides down 17% this year versus last year, shootings down 22%, carjackings down 47%, and armed robberies down 34%. So I wanted to take a look at some, some other contributing factors that we don't normally incorporate, but the year is close to being over. And I asked my staff to take a look at the other categories of crime. So what we focus on is violent felony crime, but there's also the categories that include weapons felonies, property felonies, drug felonies, and other felonies. And we have fewer police officers this year than we had at this point in time last year. So given that, we're seeing that the police department with fewer officers available to be deployed to calls for service and to investigate crimes, you're seeing we've documented an 11% increase in overall felony arrests this year versus last year. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? 
Is violent crime down because the police are doing uh, a better job of handling violent crime? Or are they addressing some of the other categories of crime? Because when you're dealing with crimes of violence, um, A, you're responding to a call for service, and you don't necessarily get there in time. And then victims and witnesses are less likely to be cooperative with investigations with, with respect to violent crime. So what we're seeing is while violent crime has been reducing, the numbers of violent crime arrests only went up about 2% this year versus last year. But we're seeing weapons felony arrests went up 17%. Property felony arrests went up 22%. Drug felony arrests went up 13%. And the other uh, category of, of felonies increased by 27%. What that tells me is that the police department recognizes that uh, offenders are generalist. And if you wait for them to commit a crime of violence, you're playing catch up. And it's easier in many instances to respond to categories of crime that uh, allow for the police department to be more proactive, like weapons felonies and drug felonies. They don't have to wait for someone to dial 911. The police can make observations, they can uh, make stops, and if they determine that they're in possession of an illegal firearm or uh, have observed a drug transaction, they can self-initiate and make arrests, and those, those offenders are generalists. So rather than driving by uh, someone that may be carrying a concealed weapon and not taking any action, that individual, the next time the police may encounter that individual is when they actually take that weapon out and use it to commit a crime of violence. So the police are being proactive this year uh, to a much greater extent than they were last year. So with fewer officers, I think what these, this data suggests to me is that the police department is being uh, very strategic in identifying some of the uh, uh, categories of offenses that are fueling the violent crime problem and they're successfully making cases against those perpetrators before they commit crimes of violence. So what we're seeing is uh, we know that many of the automobile thefts and automobile burglaries and residential burglaries, the people that are committing those crimes are looking for firearms, and they're using those firearms, they're using those vehicles that are stolen to perpetrate crimes of violence in and around town. If the police can arrest those individuals, then it reduces the potential of them being out on the streets. It takes those guns out of commerce. It's a speed bump, and I think that what the police department has done in calendar year 2023 even with about a 10% reduction in officers this year versus last year, is to use their resources much more strategically by addressing some of the other categories of crime that are allowing them to continue to drive down the violent crime rate in the city of New Orleans. And I think it's uh, uh, an indication of, of good police work on the part of the department. And, and I think these numbers, 
drive these points home. Yeah, I mean, I would agree to a certain extent. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see what these numbers compare to 2018, 2019, before the pandemic as it relates to uh, arrests. I agree, you know, relative to the staffing numbers. But when you think about property felony arrests being at 1,103 when you had, what, 6,600 vehicle thefts, which are all going to be felonies because of the value of the vehicle for the most sure. part. Uh, yep. alone, not not including the other property felony arrests, you're going to fall way below the average uh, clearance rate uh, in the United States uh, relative well, that's to, a byproduct to some of these. Too, Newell, of the, it, uh, it is. It is. Yep, yep, it, it, yep. it is, no doubt. I was surprised that the number, the total number was as low as it is because I know at the all-time high, the NOPD used to make over 30,000 felony arrests a year. Um, and, you know, that's a big, big uh, difference. And I don't think it's yeah. because we have less offenders today um, to, uh, to yeah, an appreciable amount. We had, we had close amount. to a third more police officers as well. Yes, we did. No, absolutely, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great job as always. Appreciate those those numbers and, and the reporting uh, on it because it does add uh, context to what we talk about uh, each and every day. Rafi Goinecci, thank you so much for your time, your insight. Truly appreciate it. Thank you, Neil. Take care. All right. It's Rafael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Stay with us, folks. We will be right back after the break. Folks, when we come back after the top of the news break, we'll visit with Guy Williams, president Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll talk about the market's reaction to slow inflation. Is there a probability of rate cuts? The Louisiana connection to deep fake pornography, mailbox theft, criminal is sentenced in Slidell and other economic issues. When we come back after the break, stay with us. This is Newell on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 